I just wanted to throw in a quick note here before the podcast begins. I was just editing it and realized that there's a lot of instances where the audio blurs Ina and my voices over each other. We're not actually talking over each other when we're recording, but it sounds that way and it sounds very, um, I don't know, just rude, I guess. So I just wanted to put in a disclaimer saying that we are not doing that and we apologize for the poor audio quality. We're working to resolve that for future episodes. Enjoy! Welcome to Womanhood Redeemed with Elizabeth Russell and Ina Castillo. Welcome to Womanhood Redeemed with Ina and Elizabeth. Welcome, everyone. I'm Ina. I'm Elizabeth. And we are yeah. your co-hosts for Womanhood Redeemed. Um, if you ever have any questions or want to give us some feedback, you can reach us at womanhoodredeemed at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Thought that'd be a good thing to put that word out there. Yes, especially at the beginning, because sometimes I know like I'll turn off a podcast when it reaches the end bumper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh quick shout out to your mother, Jenny. She sent us a sweet email. Oh, really? She did. Yes. I She listened to our first episode and that uh, it brought her a lot of joy. So <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's funny because like I know like family stuff is going to come up and um, I'm just like trusting that like it'll be OK because I just I want to do it with charity, you know, and yeah. um, and she's a great mom. So it's always uh I don't, you know, I don't think it'll be a problem, but, uh, mom, if you're listening, if it's ever a problem, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, cause yeah. I, you know, as women, you know, we all have our, our pasts, our histories, our stories. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things are going to come up that it's our story. So it may not be something that they even were aware of. True. And it's, it's how we perceive things too, right? Exactly. The stories um, we take on. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we call you can't control myself. Say that again. We call that the story I tell myself. Mm, yes. And we can't control like how our children are going to experience the lives that we live together. You know, yes. we can only give them like the tools that they need to figure out like how to live a good life, but we can't like force the good life onto them, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, we wanted to talk today about women and imposter syndrome because that's something, yeah, it's something that's been coming up for both of us. I mean, we're starting this podcast. We're only on episode five and it's been a beautiful experience, but it's also this experience of, hmm, like, are we experts? Like, do we have like a legitimate reason to be here and to talk about these things? But then we also are starting other ventures like the flight house and coaching women through woman's school. And it's that question of, well, who am I? Who am I to tell somebody else how to live their life or how to create or um, how to promote or profit from their work? Like how to, how to be a mother, how to be a friend, like 
these things are very different. They're big questions, right? And they, they encompass other people's whole lives. Yes. And who are we to tell them how to live their lives? Right. And that's, I think that's like the biggest question that comes up with imposter syndrome. Um, and is there anything else that like for you comes up with imposter syndrome? Yeah. So for me, it's, um, it is that whole concept of, do I have the authority to speak on this? Do I have the experience and the expertise to speak on this? Um, I, I struggle with when I see other women that are doing the, uh, something similar to what I'm doing, I look at them and I see, oh, they've got this degree or they've gone to this school and they have this certification and they have all these things that I don't have. And so I start going, well, am I even qualified? Am I qualified to do this? And um, I actually was speaking with a friend about this uh, the other day, and she was really good about talking to me about this because she goes, first off, imposter syndrome is real and we all struggle with it because it's true. Yes, we do, especially women. We overanalyze very much what um, what the thought process is and what we're doing. And she said to me, it was really funny because she looks at me and she goes, Ina, I have a degree in interior design that I'm not even using. What I do now has nothing to do with my degree. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm quote unquote qualified in that regard of having a degree, but I am qualified because my story is what connects me with the women I work with. And that's, where it comes down to, do you have the expertise? Do you have the, the authority to speak on this? And when she said that to me, it made me realize like, actually I do have the authority and the expertise. So for me, for listeners that are hearing about this, my goal is to reach um, Catholic women that are, are either going through divorce or have gone through divorce and, um, and coaching them through their next steps and through their self-image and self-worth. And the reason I have the capacity to speak on that is because I've been through it. So, you know, and I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, I went through divorce. I went through annulment. Um, I went through single motherhood. So I've been through the gamut when it comes to certain things I've, you know, I've experienced those things and I can speak to that in a way that I'll reach certain women better than somebody else who does the same thing as me, they're going to reach women I can't reach. And that's that whole concept of we are unique and unrepeatable because we each have our own story that's going to connect us with who we need to connect with. Yes. I'm just going to pause you real quick for just a second one. (laughs) Okay. My car wasn't on. It was running on battery. I wanted to make, I wanted to bring it off that. So, um, well, no, actually, hang on. Okay, I'm just gonna leave it off because it's not too cold. So it's not cold at all. Um, okay, we can get back to it. So go ahead. Nope, that was what I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for me with imposter syndrome, there was a really interesting time in my life where I did not experience it. And I'm thinking back on that and going, I think that we don't experience imposter syndrome when we're not putting ourselves out there enough. We just, we stay within our own little comfort zone and we say, Yes, complacently, like I am, I, I am here and I know the things in this area. And, you know, if you're, I think that imposter syndrome comes in when you're being brave, when you become a mother, when you um, have a relationship with just any relationship, honestly, friendship. And 
you know, to be honest, if I look back, I can see that there were, I did have imposter syndrome when it came to my friendships. Um, and I just didn't have it. What, what was coming up was I was hearing about it from other writers and that writers were experiencing imposter syndrome and I wasn't experiencing that. I was like, no, like I write, I'm good at it. And I have a right to put my work out there, which is true. That's all true. But the thing is that I wasn't experiencing imposter syndrome because I wasn't willing to, um, to really like be visible as a writer. I, I wrote my books and I published them and I did so quietly and I didn't really tell people and I figured they'll read it and they'll like it or they won't, but they don't have to talk to me about that. And that's, that's a very, it's, it's a scared way of publishing books, right? right? Because if I had done that, I would have had to deal with the fact that what if I wasn't as good of a writer as I hoped I was. Well, and, and that, and that experience too is a different level of imposter syndrome. Exactly. So yeah, yes. it's still that it's still in that realm. And it's interesting to hear like, I can relate to that because as a creator, um, including writing myself, I've done similar, like not told people like, oh, I, you know, I've published a blog or um, I've written all these things and I'm out doing this or that or the other thing and not putting myself out there out of fear of, of that uh what if I'm not good enough? What if, um, what if nobody likes my stuff? What if A, B, C, or D? And it was that fear. And that's still imposter syndrome because we're fearing that rejection or that uh, criticism of our work. For sure. And so, yeah, I can, I can relate to that feeling and just, and just going, well, I'm good at it. And they either like it or they don't. Yeah. Which do you know? Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> no, I was going to take it on a different track. So I want you to finish your thought. Um, well, my thought was like being in that thought of, well, they're either going to like it or they don't. It's also a, but I'm not going to put myself out there and risk it. And that's, yes. that's imposter syndrome. And, um, and, it, and that's like of a deeper level before you even really do start putting yourself out there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know, um, I'm trying to remember who wrote this. It might've been Brene Brown. Um, but so there's mindset, but then there's, um, no, it's not her. That's so mindset by Brene Brown is, has been recommended to me many times, but I haven't read it. There's another one. Uh, is it fixed mindset? And I'm trying to remember who it's by, but, um, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Cause it's an amazing, amazing book, but it's about just the fact that like, we either have a, growth mindset or a fixed mindset. Right. 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 Um, do you remember? Cause you know, Ryan Donovan like recommends this a lot, but I can't remember. Do you, have you like heard of this one? I've heard of it. I don't know the name. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who, who wrote it. I feel like it starts, her name starts with a C, but. Is it Carol um, Dweck? Yes. And her book Carol is Dweck. Mindset. Okay. Yeah. So she's mindset. I forget what Brene Brown wrote then. Um, well, she's written a lot too. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Carol Dweck mindset. That's that's a really good book. It's actually free on YouTube. That's where I listened to most of it. Was on YouTube. Um, but yeah, she talks about that there's a fixed and a growth mindset, and that if we, you know, going into it when I had it recommended, I was like, oh, I have a growth mindset, you know, and then I start hearing 
what she actually like defines as growth and fixed. And I went, Oh, that was a, that was a moment for humility of realizing I have, I have a fixed mindset. But then as she talks about it further and she goes into it deeper, you realize she starts to explain how there's, you can have fixed mindsets in certain areas and growth mindset in other areas. Right. And it's really identifying like, where, where do you think that you, where, where are you trying to grow and where are you just content to stay where you are? But it's not even contentment, contentment, because it becomes a sort of like angry, like I'm going to stay here. Okay. How do I, so it's not, it's complacency, but it's also this desperation to prove that you're like an expert in something. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I, I'm going to stay here or that you're not an expert. So like, maybe it's a fixed mindset of like, I'm just gonna, I'm never going to be good at that, you know? Um, but it's very much just staying in like your own little, the niche that you've put yourself into and then just remaining and never wanting to grow or learn more about that area because you kind of figure that you've learned as much of it as it's possible that you particular in particular are ever going to learn. Right. Yeah. And we, there's motherhood, right? So there's like, motherhood, I think if you have a fixed mindset there, that can be really dangerous because, and, and very prevalent as well, because mothers are, they want to be the best mother for their children. And in a sense, like you do know your children better than anyone else. Right. right? But if you're not growing, then your children are learning that like, that growth isn't necessary either. Right. Right. Um, and as, so when I looked on like my life, when I saw it, it was very embarrassing to realize that I had a fixed mindset in every arena except two. So that's like, that's pretty drastic. Like every arena except two. Um, and those two were writing and my relationship with Jesus. Right. I believed that both of those I could improve in and I was happiest in those arenas right there. Um, but everywhere else, uh, friendships, relationship, um, my intelligence level, especially when it came to math. I just, I believed that like, that's where I was and I would always stay there. And the thing is, if you have a fixed mindset, if someone challenges you on what you know there, you become very defensive because, and defensive to say like, well, I, I really am that terrible. I have to prove to you how terrible I am at this. Or I really do know this. I have to prove to you how well I know it. Right. Right. No, I, I actually can feel similar in, in that regard as well. Like, There's a lot like, so when I became a mother and this will just be vulnerability and honesty in this regard, when I became a mother, um, I didn't do a lot. I mean, I, I used to read everything that was put in front of me. Like I used Mm. to constantly read. And so before I became a mom, I was reading a lot on like pregnancy and, uh, health and, um, all those different things. And especially because at the, at the time I was struggling with an autoimmune condition anyway, and um, had been told I was never going to have children, blah, 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 blah. My kids were born and um, I literally was winging it as a mother. I was not reading on things about parenting. Um, I was not listening to anybody about parenting. I was literally winging it. And that is part of that fixed mindset like of, I don't know what I could possibly learn that will be better. And so I'm just going to do instinct. I'm just going to run on instinct. And that's, that's actually not a good place to be in any arena is running on instinct. 
Um, Mm -hmm. If we're not growing and, and learning about the arenas that we have that we need to work within in our lives, um, we stagnate and then we get stuck and we start going, what am I doing wrong? Like we, that's when like it hit me of, um, I started telling myself I wasn't a good parent. I started, um, putting myself down as, as a mother and that I was never going to be good as the lady next door. Um, and I might as well just accept it. Like, and that's not a good place oh. to be. That's that imposter syndrome. And that's that fixed mindset. And, um, yeah. and it, it bit me in the butt. I'll be honest, like ha- going through that, it was like, wait a minute, because then I found that I was willing to put up with certain behaviors, not only from myself and my children, but from other people that were not acceptable. And I had to start really, uh, looking at my parenting style, my parenting ways and what I needed to change and grow in, in order to be a better mother, because what I was doing was not working. It was actually becoming toxic. And if we stay in that fixed mindset and then it starts going downhill, it becomes toxic. And that's in any arena. True. Yeah. And the word that's coming to me as you're sharing all this is grace, right? Because it is so necessary we, I think as Catholics, we see that like God gives us grace all the time, but what we can't make full use of the grace that he gives us unless we're giving ourselves. Exactly. And it's that grace of going, it's okay that I'm learning. It's okay that I'm in a time of transition. It's okay that I'm pivoting and, you know, just experiencing, just talking to you right now, I'm like experiencing all this grace from God. And I'm realizing like, it's just that reminder. Cause you know, you and I have gone, what, two weeks I think since we recorded Um, and it's when, when we don't record, I forget just how great, like grace filled this time is. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel flustered. And I think that some of that is me just letting, um, letting Satan and myself get in the way of, you know, remembering that like, it's okay. Like these times are always going to be grace filled. And so I think that that, that goes for anything that we do. Right. Right. It's like, if we're, if we just allow ourselves to be in the moment and to let God work in the moments that we know that we have to, but we also recognize that we don't know everything that we're doing here. Right. right? You know, we're, we're re-recording a podcast episode because we don't know everything that we're doing here and we messed up with the tech and like, which is fine because it was just, it was a learning curve. It was a learning process, right. but that, that goes into every single thing that we do as humans. Yes. And that we have to not only realize that we have grace in all of our arenas, arenas from God that we can, uh, we can tap into and that we give ourselves grace, but it also allows us the opportunity to look at it and laugh at the situation. Like this was something out of our control and, um, we didn't understand how it was working or why it did what it did as far as the tech goes and having to re-record a podcast, but we can laugh about it too. Cause it's like, I mean, we had no control over that. And I can't tell you the times I've listened to other podcasters who've had something similar happen or like they recorded an entire podcast, but they forgot to hit record. My brother did that. Exactly. And, it, and you have to laugh about it. <laughs> like the guys on Catholic yes. stuff, you should know, which shout out to that podcast. Cause they're awesome. And I love them. <laughs> They've done that. Like, so we're taking round two now. We recorded a whole podcast without hitting record. 
<laughs> but yep. they're laughing. I mean, it's flustering. But at the same time, if we allow ourselves to stay flustered, we won't move forward. And that's yes. the thing that God calls us to do is like, okay, we have grace. We were given grace. These things happen and they're outside of our control. Let's move forward and laugh about it and just keep going yes. because it's all to the greater glory of God anyway. Which so true. And just letting yourself remember that, like, that even the skill of learning to laugh at yourself is something to give yourself grace about as well. Yes. Right. Like, it's okay if I didn't laugh about it. I can laugh about it now because I remembered to laugh. Exactly. About it. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, because I think it's so easy to just be like, I'm not good enough even when in my mistakes. I'm not good enough in how I dealt with that. You know? Right. And we do that a lot as women, especially like, we are hard on ourselves. We are so, because we're, society tells us we need to be perfect in every realm. And perfection is such a false ideal. There is no such thing as perfection. The only perfection is God. And he draws us closer and closer to perfection, but we never enter into that perfection until we go to heaven. And that's something that we have to remember as women. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to be, you know, America's next top model or the most amazing singer in the world or the most prolific writer or whatever it is that we don't, or, or like the most amazing mother that covers every arena of her child's life. Like that's not what God calls us to. He's not calling us right. to be perfect on this earth. He's asking us to work towards perfection in heaven. My mind went to the Blessed Virgin as you're saying that, right? Because like, well, what about the Blessed Virgin? Isn't she perfect? And I was thinking about that and pondering it in my heart and realizing that, no, like, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to be heretical here. <laughs> follow my train of thought for a second. Um, She's, you know, she was free. From yeah, sin. she was free of original um, sin, which is as close to perfect as you can was... be on earth. Right. But I was just thinking about like, she lost Jesus in the temple. She had to, she, the, the, the most that she allows herself to appear in the gospels is the moments when she pondered things yes. in her heart because her experience on earth before her death was to take all these things in and ponder on them because it says she, they did not understand yes. it. And so that's not, so she was imperfect, but she didn't mind because she just recognized that it was a, it was a learning process for her to get to be closer to God. And so when she did, was finally assumed into heaven, she became queen of heaven and earth because she did understand all of that. She was fully in his presence yes. and like, oh, that's just so cool to think about like that. She's reached perfection now, oh, yeah. but it's the perfection of who she was exactly. meant to be, of yes. living in God. And that her fiat was that surrender to the graces of God in order to lead her to, to her heavenly perfection. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like every, if she hadn't, as, that's even part of the perfection process for her was, was recognizing when she didn't know something. And she yeah, and she asked that. questions. Well, how is, how is this mm -hmm. to be if I have not known a man? Yeah. Why is it that you, you know, why, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you yeah. <laughs> desperately. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, 
I mean, there's the beauty in that and the learning and her going, okay, okay, I'm going to learn from this. Yeah. Or the gifts of the magic. That's another time that she ponders it in her heart. And then she also, um, when, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, the guy in the temple prophesied. S- uh, Simeon? Right? Was that his name? Yes. I think it was, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Gosh, why am I doing this? <laughs> but um, yeah, he prophesies about, you know, your heart will be pierced. And so that moment of just recognizing that, like, there's something coming that I don't know about um, and having to have that foreknowledge all that time without really understanding it. Right. 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 Yeah. Yes. And that's, we get that, you know, as women, we receive that very frequently. I think we, we do get foretaste of what our life is going to look like without really understanding what that's going to look like in reality or what, yeah. what it means. Um, the biggest thing that comes to mind is when we find out that we're pregnant. Right. And there's that realization of like something is coming, but I don't know what it is or how to receive it in the best way possible. And it's, it's almost like that recognition that like, I'm going to learn as I receive, right. right? Is that's the best way yes. to do it. Yes. And that's difficult yeah. to do too, because the unknown is scary. And I think that's where imposter syndrome really yeah. comes in with anything that we do is that there's an unknown and it's scary. And so I think we, we convince ourselves, well, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just going to stay put because I'm not, I'm not going to be able to handle whatever the unknown is. And, or like, or the, um, well, I'm just not going to be as good as so-and-so who does this too. And I I could never be as good as them. And, um, and they're so much better. I also call it shiny object syndrome. Um, because we Mm. see how, who we're comparing ourselves to. That's really the, the, the ticket there is we are comparing ourselves to people who do things similar to what we do. And we find ourselves lacking and Satan wants us to find ourselves lacking because if we pursue what we're feeling imposter syndrome attacking us for, if we actually pursued that, that thing, that uh, great work, that whatever God is calling us to, if we pursued it, we're going to do something great for God. And he doesn't want that. Satan does not want us. Yep to go after those big dreams. And so that's where imposter syndrome really comes from is that comparison and finding ourselves lacking, even though in reality, Mm -hmm. God doesn't find us lacking. He wouldn't call us to these things if he wasn't going to equip us with what we needed. Yes. Yes. And that's the grace, the grace of the moment. And when, yeah, and I think we do, we can self-sabotage that reception by just being so worried and so flustered about how we're not showing up in the best way possible. Yeah. And I know that for me, I struggle with Mm. the the imposter syndrome aspect significantly, not just like having gone through it with parenting and being a mom, but like I struggle with it with um, my writing, my wanting to create a future that is secure in my writing, in my coaching other women, in um, and, and speaking to other Catholics about the things that I 
am familiar with, things that I know and that I've experienced, that I worry that it's going to be rejected or that it's going to be um, looked down upon or that because of my past experiences, I'll be kicked out, you know, like that type of thing. And, um, and I struggle right. with that immensely. And um, it's kind of a daily thing that I have to surrender. Like, I know you want me to be doing this, God. So I'm going to have to find a way to just push past this and do it anyway. And be like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyway. Because that's yes. where I'm at. <laughs> I have no idea yeah. what I'm doing. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. I forget who I was speaking with, but I was talking with uh, another girl who is also a writer. And I was sharing, oh, I wish I could remember who it was. But um, I just remember what I was saying, which was that, like, we, you know, it's so important when you're writing something to just write something to like intentionally write something that is terrible. And, you know, your goal is in that moment is to just make sure that you're actually writing daily. And if your goal is to write something terrible, then you've actually sat down, you've actually written and you've allowed your imagination to take flight and to just come up with whatever it wants because you're not worrying about whether or not somebody right. else is going to see it. And that's, you know, that's, that's one of my, my biggest, um, tools that I've used for like actually being able to write on a daily basis, because it can be so difficult. If you're just putting all this pressure on yourself to write something perfect right. the first time, then you end up not actually getting around to writing or you write like a sentence and you're like, that's terrible. And you unwrite it and you know, you can't get any further, but if you're just letting your brain run, you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do like, I'm going to write this, like, I'm going to take a, a nursery rhyme right. and write my own. Right. And you write this nursery rhyme and you know, no one's ever going to read that and be like, oh my gosh, this is the best work of poetry because she wrote about her ear, you know, to the same like tune right, as the three little right. pigs, right? Not three little yeah. pigs, but like the, yeah, the little pig went to market. I don't know what you call that. What, yeah, the toe <laughs> poem. I don't even remember what that's called. The toe poem, piggies, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, no one's going to, yeah, no one's going to like ever read that, but they might read it and go, oh, like, that's really funny. Like once you are a good writer and they go back and they, you know, they're searching through Roald Dahl's work and they're like, oh, look at this little funny poem he wrote or, um, you know, because that's just, that was part of the creation process is to just write stuff that's terrible in order to be able to write stuff that's good. And I think that that, that carries yeah. over into a lot of life. It's kind of like, let's do this. Like we, I've never made bread before. Let's make bread. And regardless yeah. of how it turns yeah. out, right. Because this is our first time and we want to make sure that, like we're still, if, if baking is supposed to be part of like, we've discerned that we want to try and make this part of our family life. Well then like, let's make bread and not put too much pressure on ourselves. And, you know, in case it turns out terrible, let's fill it with raisins. So there's at least a reason. To right. Exactly. It, right? <laughs> and then it's a learning process. That's all of life. Yes. Everything is a learning process. And if we don't give ourselves the grace to learn, which includes failing because you can't learn if you don't fail, that, Right. You're not going to, you're not going to grow. And I think that we, we get into that imposter syndrome and we get stuck and we choose to stay where we are and we choose to not grow. And that's when you stagnate and, and everything just, it, it, it just doesn't feel right. And we become complacent. 
And that's not, yeah. that's not yeah. what life is. Life is about learning in everything that we do and that you're going to do new things. Like for instance, me, I'm going to learn how to actually use a sewing machine properly. Like I bought a sewing machine cause I don't know how to sew <laughs> like, and I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> like, but that's, the, I mean, that's the, the point is that we're, we're called to do new things and sometimes we're called to do hard things and we cannot let the imposter syndrome stop us from learning how to do hard things. And so much in this world yeah. stops us from doing those hard things because the world tells us that we don't need to do those things that, oh, you, everybody gets a participation award, whether you were good or not, mm -hmm. instead of recognizing the ones that have put in the effort and going forth and actually doing something and recognizing they did the hard things. That what is it that successes do what failures don't yeah. want to do? Fail when they fail. Right. The, the successes and do fail. They just don't stay in their failure. Yeah. They try again. Yeah. And they do the hard things exactly. that other people are too afraid exactly. to do. Yeah. You know, just thinking about like specifically how it shows up for women, how, how it's shown up for me in the past, imposter syndrome was, it was huge for me um, when it came to the idea of dating, because yeah. that is a hard thing to open yourself up to somebody else because I was afraid I, um, with my, with my health issues, I gave up on ever getting married. And the reason that I said was that like, I could never ask anybody to, you know, marry me when, um, when I, you know, I couldn't right. even live my own life. Right. Um, I wouldn't have anything to give back to them. And in a sense, maybe that was correct, but here's the thing. What I was really saying, and this was where it was incorrect, was that if they, if they got to know me and they got, they saw through the, the illness, everything, I think they'd find out that there wasn't anything else. I there. struggled with that too. I really did. Yeah. And, um, we have to, it, it's hard to push past that when you think those things like this is all I am, but it's, and that's that imposter syndrome. That's, yeah. This is, we've convinced ourselves this is all we are. Yeah. In a sense, we identify with the problems of who we are stronger than we identify with the good. And so yeah. we stop seeing the good. And it's crazy how we could actually want yeah. to identify with the negatives. Right. But here's the thing. Like the negative is the, it's the, excuse me, <laughs> edit that out. The negative is the negation of the goodness of who we are. So we are created in the image and likeness of God, which means that everything good yes. about us reflects him. And every single person has that ability to reflect the yep. goodness and greatness of God and the beauty. So if we, if we're only concentrating, if we think that like our illness defines us or our, um, I, I'm trying to think what else besides illness is a negative thing that people use to identify, but I guess their addiction, um, do you think, is there anything else that like jumps to you that like is a negative thing that we uh, can like not being good at something that somebody else is really good at? Mm, okay. Yeah, so mathematics my, mine was, um, yeah. one of that I can use as an example. My sister is an extremely good artist, um, like painting, 
uh, sculpture. Mm. Um, she just, she does beautiful things with art and I have never been good at that. And it was funny because when I was in, I don't know, like second, third grade, I decided I wanted to be an artist, but you know, I learned that that was not my <laughs> strong suit, but I also, and this is like that wiring thing heard, well, you can't make a living at that anyway. You know, and I actually heard that oh, a lot wow. with a lot of my dreams that I wished to pursue in my life as a child. And, um, well, you can't make money. You can't, you can't do that because there's too much competition. You're not going to be good enough to stand out. Those were things that I received that I took on and, um, the limiting beliefs. And so that ties into the, you know, well, I'm stuck in who I am with my illness or I'm stuck in who I am with my addiction or I'm stuck in who I am with my lack of being able to do things. Yeah. I was speaking with a young man yesterday and I wish I had said something to him, but I I didn't because we were in a group setting and it wasn't time for me to jump into private strategist mode. Right. But I really did want to, because he said, he talked about like his dreams for what he was going to do after graduating college. And he mentioned he was looking at like CUA and some of like positions on the East coast. Um, I think for, uh, accounting, it was something with numbers, I think. And, um, I asked if like, it was his goal to go to the East coast, you know, in general, like what, what would, where he wanted to get a job. And, uh, he said like, you'd go anywhere the job was, but that, um, he wanted, he, he would prefer the West coast and um, the Midwest, but he, but that the East coast was where the jobs were. And so that was his statement. And I really just, I wanted to challenge that so badly, but again, it wasn't the moment. Um, but to realize like, yeah, that's a limiting belief. You don't need jobs. You need one job. You need the job that God has designed for you. And if your dream is to be on the West coast, well then why aren't you at least And maybe he has right. looked into the West coast, right? But that's, that's not the reason to go be in the East coast. The reason to go there would be because God called you there. That's where the job yeah. was that you were supposed to go to. Um, but to, to say like, that's where the jobs are. Well, no, that's not entirely true. Like everywhere where there are people, yeah. they're going to need accountants. Right. Um, and it's just that like, there might be a larger number of those jobs on the East coast, or that might be where like the training comes in for that. Um, in larger numbers, but that God always has an intentional place. And it really just comes down to right. one. Well, and it, and it also the, on the other end for him, for this young man would be, um, this is what he's being told. That's where the jobs are. So that's where you need to yes. go. That's what he's hearing. That's what he's receiving Very and true. the story he's telling himself. And, and I'd see yep. us yep. doing that as women all the time. Like, that we're being told yes. one thing and and we follow suit with it. And in reality, that's not the truth. God is calling us to something. Like we yeah. need to just really learn how to discern God's calling and where we're meant to be. And to also accept and realize, and this is something I struggle with, God has more than one calling for all of us. We're called to different things mm. in different arenas of our life. And we need to discern yes. all of those because there's always something that we're growing in that God is calling us to, that we need to discern where it is and what it is that he needs us to do with it. 
so true. And I had a great thought and it just, it went away. So Lori, bring it back if we need to talk about this, but um, when we, oh shoot, so we were talking about the young man. We we're talking about multiple ways that women hear imposter syndrome. Oh, I know what it was. When we as women accept a belief, and this is humanity in general, but we're talking about women in particular. If we accept a belief, it becomes a fixed mindset. And I think we have to be so careful about what the thoughts are yes. that we're accepting. So I don't think it's wrong to accept certain beliefs. Um, I think there are certain beliefs that we get to a place where we're like, yes, this is, this is what I hold to right. be absolutely true. But those things have to, we have to be yeah. so careful about what those things are. And I think that some examples of like what would be acceptable in those cases would be that, you know, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and savior and he loves me with his whole right. heart and soul and, that, and he pursues me. Yeah. That's a great and that's, fix. That's mindset. the true good and beautiful. <laughs> so there's no beyond, I mean, right. there's beyond like growing in within that. And that's what, I, that's where I was going to go with that is that any fixed, any, any, accepted belief that we take on. So I don't want to say fixed mindset. Any accepted belief that we take on is it has to be something that allows us to grow within it. So if we say I'm a terrible mom, that's a lie. And it it can't be something that we accept. If we say it's necessary, it's just, it's just the way it is to be depleted as a mom. Then if somebody else says, here's how you can not be depleted, we get angry because we think, well, she's saying I'm not a good enough mom. Right. And I've run into that out there. Like, well, how, yeah, I'm depleted. It's yeah. just the way things are. But, and that's where I come in and say, but it doesn't have yeah. to be. And it's not to knock what you already do or what you have done or where you're at. This is to help you see you don't have to feel like this. And that's, and, but society yes. tells us yes. this is how it is. So that's how you just need to be. And, 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 yeah. you know, let's be honest. Society is not only stuck in the fixed mindset because they want to be, but they are also uh, the society culture. We live in a culture of darkness right now and a, and a culture of death. It, it is not a culture of growth and life. And uh, I mean, that's what we want to try to yes. do. That's one reason why this is podcast is called womanhood redeemed. We want to redeem and, and show that we are redeemed, that we can be better than we are and we can grow and that there's so much more to womanhood than uh, what society has told us it means to be a woman. That's so true. And we are, we are exactly. called to be in the world, but not of it. And I think that that's, yes. it's, it's, it's mindset because if we, we are called to be, to live radically different from how the rest of the world lives. And I think it's interesting how different saints have portrayed that throughout the years. So like we've had, you know, saints who, in societies that were very um, community-based, but in a very harmful way, there were those who separated and said, we're going to build community um, or yeah. we're going to, we're going to be hermits. Right. Um, or build just these tiny little tiny communities um, of asceticism and aestheticism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> aestheticism. <laughs> I always say that wrong. Um, and then you've got those in times where, people were very, and I think now is a very good example of this yeah. is times where people are very segregated and, and they're not communal. We are actually called yep. radically to live in community. Um, and I think 
and to form those intentional communities of recognizing that being with other people is a, a very it's a, great It's a necessity that to life. Um, God called us to, to community. Yeah. He calls us yeah. to uh, fraternity. He calls us to be together because we are the body of Christ. In, in heaven, we will be in full yeah. union together with God. And that we need to reflect that here on earth. Wherever two or more are gathered. Exactly. And that to separate us, to segregate us, to cut us off from one another is, um, it's destructive. It's, it's death. It, and that's what we're seeing happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not to put any type of political spin on things, but it's definitely, I mean, it's, you can't help but see it happening. If, If you're not seeing it happening, you're you're not partaking in uh, in any form of technology or media or, which is probably not a bad thing, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not listening exactly. to this podcast. <laughs> but that, that, you know, we have to be aware of these things because it is destroying us as a culture and as a society. It will become, um, it will be our destruction if we don't, if we don't come together as a people and I mean, that's why I love the fact that yeah. in some areas there are churches that are like, you know what, we're going to meet because we need our community. We need to be together because we do. Yeah. It was beautiful. We went to, um, I went on a reading retreat, with some young ladies over the weekend. It was absolutely beautiful. It was, it was great because like, like any group of women, right. we all talked right the whole time. Um, but we also we also had permission to separate from there were always groups of women talking, but you could also separate from those groups and go read your book and not feel bad because That's it was awesome. a reading weekend. It was great. It was perfect. Um, and on Sunday morning, we went to mass and, you know, the girl who organized it, she's checking in with everybody. She said, Do you have your mask. Do you have your mask. And um, one of the girls was out brushing off her car when that question was asked. So we're driving over and she's like, oh, no, I don't have a mask. But another girl had an extra, you know, so she puts it on and we get to mass. And when we went in, we were following a couple who were, who were wearing a mask and we get inside and we all sit down and this is like, you know, we all live in the middle of the Chicago suburbs. So, you know, this is very much, this, this, this is an area where, um, right. community is not emphasized at all. Um, small businesses are really struggling to stay open, but restaurants, most restaurants have been forbidden to have people sitting inside, but most actually do because they, they wouldn't go out of business. Otherwise there's a lot of Again, not to be political, it's just to yeah. show that, like, this is where I'm living right now. This is the situation of where I am. So when we went, we drove an hour south. It was like an hour and 15 minutes south to where we were. And it was just crazy to see how radically different it was down there because we get into the church and we sit down. We were kind of like, we were really early. So we're, we were there. And um, after a while, I kind of look up and all of a sudden I was like, oh, like that couple we followed in was the only one in the church wearing a mask. Like everybody else wasn't. Um, it was a very small community. I think we were, we were oh, actually wow. half of the size of the church, um, our group of 12 girls. Yeah. Like the rest of the church was probably like 12 other people. And then the priest, and then he had three altar boys. It was a beautiful mass. And, um, but all of us were like, Oh, and we're all taking off our masks. Mm-hmm. Kind of like relief. Like, Oh, like this church recognizes that like, there's more to life than being afraid of yes. illness and being afraid of, of death. Right. Um, and that's just a beautiful thing to be reminded it's true. of once in a while. Absolutely. To be able to see people's faces, it's and, just and such that's a something we, we've taken right for now. granted. 
now we're like, yeah, this is the norm. We don't get to see each other. And and in actuality, it causes me a little bit of a panic attack because there were books I read in uh, in high school for class that were about this type of dystopian future. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're kind of living this right now. And I'm freaking out over it. <laughs> Not cool. I don't like this. One of them was everybody, everybody wore a mask. But it, it was a full face mask. So it's not, and that was so that everybody looked the same. But right now we're kind of experiencing that. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. We're all wearing it's true. Everyone's everyone's cheeks exactly. and chin look the same with a mask on, I've noticed. Everyone looks like they kind of have like fatter it is. cheeks and, but it's when like, they wear a mask. This is it's what we're weird. looking at. Like everybody, quote unquote, looks the same. And and while I understand the reasons behind yeah. having the mask and, and all that, it, it, it just harkens back to that story that I read in high school and it freaks me out a little bit because there was a situation that happened and um, this one guy ends up when he removes his mask, he's an older gentleman. Like, so he's elderly. His face has molded to look like the mask because he grew up wearing the mask and now he looks just like the mask. But that the, that the younger people, when they were taking theirs off, they looked different because they were younger. So their faces had not molded yet to this mask, whereas this gentleman did. And it was just so bizarre. But And I'm not saying that that's where we are in society. But to not be able to see people's faces, like I have to sure. think about the children with like autism or sensory issues where they can't see the social cues of like a smile or a frown. And... Or the ones that have difficulty hearing and they cannot hear. They cannot hear and they cannot read your lips. And it's like, what are we doing to these poor people, these poor children? Because of this, there's got to be a better way. You know, and I know that we're working towards that, but. How did we get on this topic? Honestly, I don't know. How did we get here? (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm trying to like wrap it back around i think it was um just talking about um oh just like that i think that openness to recognizing that like sometimes things are different uh or like that there are higher realities than the narrative of the world shows us and how fixed the narrative the world can be that's yes and 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 so we are still on topic on that because it's true like the world is i think we can see it so much more clearly in this past you know in 2020 and now in 2021 yes. than we ever have. Been yes. It's our glaringly obvious now. Right. That, that the world definitely follows. Yeah. The world definitely, whether you agree with the narrative or not, the world follows a very strict narrative. Um, and then if you disagree with it, it's, um, it's very taboo. You know, we see that with social media and with people being kicked off of these platforms that people I don't always agree with. Right. Yeah. But I just believe in their right to voice their opinions. Yeah. Um, Right, right. It was very interesting. I was watching, um, it was actually, it was a tutorial video about how to make YouTube videos, but he happened to show a video with this guy. Um, it goes around, I'm trying to remember what his YouTube channel was, but he goes around, he gives like, um, he challenges people's common beliefs on certain things. And one thing that he did was like, he went up to some people and he asked them what they believed about free speech. And, um, if like free speech should always be the case. And, and most of the people he was interviewing were uh, millennials and and they were saying, no, they don't believe that free speech should always be a thing. There should be like laws in place to, um, to prevent people from speaking their mind when it comes to like, um, 
enforcing violence and stuff like that on social media platforms. And his response was, well, we do have laws in place for that. So what do you think about actual free speech? And it was uh, to me, like as a millennial, I didn't even realize that. Like, I don't I don't I think that we just kind of believe the common narrative that like that free speech is just right. to say whatever you want, regardless. Right. Um, but that it, that's actually not the case. Like free speech is the ability to say what is kind and, and but also what is um, what's an, uh, an opposing yeah. opinion. It's really just what that's what that is. Right. It's an opposing opinion. And it's not just it's not to enforce murder, to enforce um, things that are yes. universally yes. wrong. Right. And I think I know just that, you're like, that realization too. that the world has yeah, my husband mindset. watches it all the time. And oh, really? the guy has, I mean, he's knowledgeable. <laughs> he understands the law and he understands like the constitution and, uh, and all that. So, yeah, I, I agree though. Like the, we've been told that free speech is all these things of you can do and say whatever you want with no repercussions. And that's not true. We don't want to incite hatred and violence and all those things. And so there, yeah, he's right. There are actually laws in place for those types of things. Um, right. And it's interesting how we view opposing opinions now. This is such a fixed mindset in our culture to, to, to view opposing opinions now as um, we used to say microaggressions. Yeah. I believe that we it's just aggression. Yeah. Well, if you don't <laughs> agree with me, then right? you're um, an evil person. Yeah. And you're attacking me. And that's not true. Like me. I can have an opposing belief. That doesn't mean I don't care for you. That doesn't mean yeah. that I don't, um, that I don't, that I don't love you, but I don't have to believe the exact same thing you do. And that doesn't make me a bad person or you a bad person. We disagree. We disagree. Period. There's nothing wrong with right. that. And I think, right. And if we can, if we had an episode where we found something we disagreed on, because I don't think we've done that yet, but I, I'm curious to see what you know when we actually will find something we disagree on. Uh, I think it'll yeah. be very interesting. Yeah. It'll be a really interesting discussion, you know, because you the, those are some of the most interesting discussions is when you find somebody who disagrees exactly. with you, and, and, so long and as that's you just that it. We need to be able to right? have those conversations um, because that that's that fixed mindset. That's that right. stuck attitude. Um, and that that's what society is, is at right where we are right now in society. And, um, and that feeds deeply into that imposter syndrome, because of course, being, you know, the creators and the creatives that we are, we sit there and we end up overanalyzing and thinking, you know, I, maybe I don't have the right to speak on this because I'm going to offend somebody. And that's, you know what, right. we need to grow thicker skins and be like, you know what, if I offend somebody, it, that is what it is. It doesn't mean that my message or that my creation or whatever I did was bad. It just didn't, somebody didn't like it. You know, if now, if it's something that's like obvious, mm -hmm. like it's racist or it's sexist. Yes, that's a problem. And it shouldn't be that way. But if it's something that we do... And somebody right, right, because it's yeah, never, it's attacking the dignity of the person. Yeah, we don't oh, want I'm to so attack sorry. the dignity like of the you. person because that is offensive. That is horrible. You never attack the dignity of a person, but unfortunately, our society is in this mindset of 
you don't attack the dignity of the type of person that we say is okay. But if you're this type of person, we'll attack your dignity and it's okay to do that. It's also that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's definitely that. And I think there's also the idea that um, on a personal level, people think that you're attacking their dignity if you exactly um, question something that they believe. Yeah. And I think that exactly. always comes back to the fixed mindset again, right? And, you know, I was guilty of this the other day. Like I was talking with a girl and um, she was challenging like some of the, some of my opinions on writing. And I just, it was starting to hurt. Like I was like, I don't want somebody to like, yeah. to tell me that I'm wrong in the way that I write, you know? Um, and seeing that as like her attacking my dignity right. rather than her just disagreeing with me. And and we get, we get caught up in that. Yeah. 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 And I think when we're not told, when we're not formed to realize that that's, that that's just our emotions, that that's not something that reflects on the overall situation, right? then we end up indulging that. So, you know, instead of trying to just remember that our emotions are our emotions and we might need to deal with that in the moment, we might need, you know, she and I ended up having a discussion later that just totally like was a beautiful discussion about just where our hearts were at and how we wanted to be friends and, and how we wanted to go about that. But, you yeah. know, in the moment we kind of had to step back from the conversation. We just, we kind of let it fall because we realized like we were in a group, it wasn't the right time for that. And just to realize that like, it's just our emotions. We don't right. need to feel like we're being attacked. We don't need to attack each other right. in order to defend our honor yeah. or something like that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's something that um, our society has forgotten how yeah. to do. And we're, and we're finding yeah. ourselves in that stuck place. And we, and we find that we're struggling with individual um, imposter syndrome. And you know what? It's, it's exactly it. That, that darkness is where, I mean, Satan wants us to be. He wants us stuck. He wants us stuck. Because if we're Always. not stuck, yes. if we're growing, we're doing great things for yes. God. And then that just, uh, that just makes him come unglued. <laughs> I agree. Completely. I love it. We got to unglue him more often. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, this has been so beautiful. That's a good Thank topic. I, I think that it's oh, an important it. one. for joining us in our journey of living the practical aspects of authentic femininity in our everyday lives. We are so honored to go on this journey with you. If there's a topic you would like us to discuss, please send us an email at womanhoodredeemed at gmail.com. You can support us at buymeacoffee forward slash the flight house and follow us on Instagram at womanhood underscore redeemed.